Hey, everybody. Welcome to Don't Make Me Come Back There, a funny podcast about family. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dustin Nickerson, comedian and host of said podcast, here with producer and comedian Stephen English. Hey, what's up? Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We hope you guys are doing well. Uh, what are we, episode eight? Is this it? Uh, this would be seven. I think you get to a number where you just stop counting. No, you always got to say it. It's like, that's like when people are like, how old's your daughter? And like 36 months. Like, <laughs> no, she's three. Yeah. She's three years old. We also have Dorothy here with us. Dorothy, how are you? Good, thank okay, you, now, Dorothy. Now, Just no so talking, everybody knows please. who, hell, you know what? Doing our we, she should be doing this podcast. She should. More talented. She, we can't afford her. The only one here who doesn't have a radio face. <laughs> we can't afford her for real. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we're so uh, just happy and, and excited with uh, what you guys have become as a little community yeah. of listeners here have been engaging with us on, on social media and sending us emails uh, and uh, subscribing and liking. We just appreciate it all so much, uh, and uh, thank you for tuning into this episode as well. If you haven't already, please do rate and subscribe and uh, follow us on Twitter at, at Don't Make Me Pod and uh, give us a like on Facebook as well. That's where you can get all the updates on our new episodes. Uh, we are now on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and Google Play and probably some other ones. Uh, I'm looking at you, you got producer. You got them all. You got them all. I trust there are more. Yeah, I'm sure you got them all. Than those. And uh, always Pod- feel free to shoot us an email at don't make me come back there at gmail.com with uh, topics or guests. Uh, we have a lot of exciting episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, we have comedian and general entertainer Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins is going to be a guest that some of our listeners go, of course. Uh, so that Tim Hawkins is my favorite comedian. Sure. I've, I've seen him live four or five times. And then another chunk of our comedians or our listeners are going to say, who's Tim Hawkins? I've never heard of Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins is a very funny comedian who I've worked with for the last couple of years and primarily does churches. And if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you will know that my comedy career is just all over the place. I actually did. I made this earlier today. We're recording this intro here at the start of October. Of my, I made a pie chart of my uh, <laughs> of my comedy locations oh, that I is these the, are. This is just for September. This is the nerdiest thing I've ever seen. Well, I just wanted to see it. <laughs> the percentages you can kind of ignore. Let me see it back. Of uh, <laughs> Of different places that I did comedy shows in Sandy, uh, in in the, the month of September. So twelve uh, percent of my twelve point five percent of my shows were in bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six point three percent of my shows were in high school cafeterias. That's one show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one show in a theater. Uh, 6.3 of a, would we at a cafeteria. So I did a high, high school and a cafeteria. One at a coffee shop. Uh, 31.3 in comedy clubs. Uh, 25 in churches. And 6.3, that's one in an adult store. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing shows all over the places. Right, Tim yeah. mostly does them in churches. And I don't know that he's ever done any in an adult store, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Knows, yeah. We got to know him well on this podcast, not w- that well. Right. Uh, Tim is uh, really, again, if you know him, you love him. And uh, we've done some, he's been really gracious to me uh, as an opener and going out with him. And I, and I love working with him and uh, I've learned a lot from him. And we recorded this particular episode. We were doing a gig. Normally they go out on a tour bus, uh, but sometimes on the West Coast, they don't bring it. So Tim and I were in the car uh, driving from Sacramento to L.A., and his brother Todd was driving. And so we recorded this as we drove yeah. in, a, in a Suburban, which, you know, you can 
you can judge the success of a comedian based on the quality of the rental. Well, also based on if someone's driving them or not. That's true. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Me, I'm out there driving my rented Ford Fiesta <laughs> hatchback right. off the economy lot. Yeah. I actually was listening and I was kind of getting concerned when I was listening to the to the episode because I wasn't there and I was like, they seem pretty engaged in this conversation. <laughs> Who is driving this <laughs> Who's vehicle? Who's driving right this now? vehicle? Yeah, it's a it's a really fun conversation and we go a lot of different directions. We talk a little bit about homeschooling. We talk a lot about marriage and mental health and overall wellness. And I think that fans of Tim. Uh, we'll get to know Tim in a way they probably haven't before and heard him speak a little more candidly about his life. And if you don't know Tim, I think this is a great introduction to get to know who he is, not just as a uh, comedian, but as a person. So it's a really fun episode. That's cool. I actually just got back from touring with him. Have you have you spent much time in the South? You you went to school in Missouri. I went to school at the University of Missouri, which is... South-ish. South-ish. I mean, it's, I mean where, where Columbia is, it's Columbia, Maryland, uh, Missouri, is it's a college town, so... If you go, the east side of Missouri is definitely like the Midwest. Okay. But the west side, yeah, that's definitely. And I've, I spent some time out in the west, the west of Missouri, and it's definitely the. What was what was your experience? Did you like it out there? Um, because you're where you're not from the Missouri. You just no, went out no, there. No, 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 I just went out there. I, uh, you know, Missouri was fine. I actually went to uh, university. I went to Birmingham, Alabama, one time to. I was that's applying. the south south. That's the south. That now is we're the, talking that's south. That's the capital south. S south. of the south. That's, yeah. the, that's the south of the south. And uh, I did. I had a very weird experience. I just had just a weird time just overall there. Okay. Just because I look, I don't look. I'm not like I'm very racially ambiguous. I don't look white and I don't look black. I was gonna say because Birmingham's a very like it's white and black. So people get confused. People were like, I could just tell people were confused. Yeah. Nobody knew what to do with you. <laughs> no one knew what to do with me. <laughs> I saw six Indian students there, and I it was like I I basically I almost joined a club. <laughs> they like had like a flyer, and they're like, please come. You're like you know like Hinduism. There's some perks. Please come and kick it with us. There's only six of us. There's we could use a seventh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, you know, I obviously uh, would not have that experience there. Um, right. But I do always feel because you look totally black. I do. Um, so no. <laughs> act black. Um, uh, Comedy Central, Kevin's Hearts, Heart of the City, airing in December. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you that before when I, I talked to the producer of that show when they picked me. I'm on the phone in the South, actually, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he calls me and I go, so you guys have like a white guy on this show like every three or four episodes. So you're like, so we need a white guy. Let's get the whitest yeah. guy. <laughs> they saw you coming with the plaid shirt and they're like, the, the flannel shirt and they're like, The yes. epitome of Caucasian. Like, yes. Just <laughs> funny thing on the flannel shirt i was really relieved when they picked that and they're like they said like you're the only one i think we can put this on the show where the flannel we don't think has gang affiliations <laughs> 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 and i just smiled my little naive yeah. smile um but anyway i always feel um totally an outsider in the south because yeah. the south has you know an identity and and uh, south has a you know, a real knee jerk, like West coast, you know, don't sure. tell us what to do. You liberals, Ye like they just all Yankee. assume we're all this, you know, total hyperbole. Well, sure. and that's the funny thing. So I remember, so I wanted to tell the story. So anyways, we, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, we're in South Monroe, Louisiana, okay. home of duck dynasty. This is where the guys are from. Yeah. 
And after the show, a guy comes. I've had multiple people use this term about me at the show. And a guy goes, uh, you're pretty funny for a foreigner. <laughs> he called me a foreigner. <laughs> Which I was like, hey, I don't know if you know yeah. no about, passport. The, about the 50 nifty United States. <laughs> I'm in one of them, right. as a matter of fact. Uh, and he goes, uh, yeah, you may not be a foreigner, but you are a Yankee. And yeah. I just started laughing. I was like, hey, I'm not sure uh how much you study the civil war <laughs> california not real involved yeah <laughs> yeah they were <laughs> but that's my own like ignorance in some ways too if you just go uh, it's so funny because uh, i the more and more i travel you know i have it's not it's not even to say prejudice it's just assumption yeah. of what certain people are going to be like and when you go to places you go most places are normal places with normal people sure and every city has every place every culture has their weird things like portland oregon is mostly normal people yes there's like eight people that want to live in a mason jar <laughs> and, <laughs> and commute via kayak sure. to go teach their part time you know, women's study class at the ESL community to college. Alpacas. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. But mostly it's just normal places and normal people. And that's uh, to come full circle here. One of the experiences that I really appreciated working with Tim is, you know, you go to places that otherwise you wouldn't get booked because, yeah. you know, he can roll into these cities. You know, we're in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and 2,800 people are there. 2,800 people. I didn't know Hattiesburg that's, had 2,800 people. That's got to be 10% of yeah, exactly. like the non That South Monroe yeah. show, yeah. 3,000 people. That's 3,000 American people. Yeah. I don't know if they're American. They might they not might have be. been American. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Don't know. I don't that. know the rules. Uh, but it's fantastic. And, and, and I'm really grateful for the work that I've done with him. With him. For him. With him, for sure. Uh, so all that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Once again, if you have not already, please rate, subscribe, listen, tell a friend, share on social media, do all these things, and we promise you will live forever. Uh, <laughs> and enjoy this episode with Tim Hawkins. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Explore. He's just explore the space. We always had that teacher. Okay, gang, we're gonna go outside. Just explore. Just explore. Explore what? The playground? It was, it, this is well, all the way. While well, she the went fence. and had a cigarette. Oh, up to the fence. Yeah, explore. <laughs> That's right. She's the she's the hippie one. Yeah. She's really cool. No, she just wanted to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> we had a teacher, uh, Miss O'Connor. We she would smoke every recess. This was in the 90s. This wasn't even that long oh ago. Oh, my gosh. She would just... <laughs> and there are always rumors about her hitting kids. You know how it's like some teachers <laughs> right. just have that reputation? Yeah. And yeah, there's just... Do you well, remember? I've, I've Back in 87, she, she slapped a child. <laughs> oh, oh, no. We had... Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, a gym teacher... In case he's listening to this. <laughs> well, yeah, right. A gym teacher. And, yeah, we were, we were uh, having class... It was inside. I forget it was a health class or something. We were all sitting on the floor, and one of the kids was messing around. He just comes in and grabs that kid by the neck, just basically <laughs> throws him out. <laughs> You're like, and it wasn't a thought of, oh, the teacher's in trouble. It's like, oh, that that kid, I would busted. hate to be that kid. <laughs> that kid's in trouble, and he's gonna get it when he gets home. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> there was no thought of. We had there no, would be no repercussions no. for the teacher. Oh no no no. <laughs> and, but you know, I, that's just, that's just life. I, I, I really believe that, you know, you as parents, you do the best you can mm -hmm. to teach your kids, but there's just things that's going to slip through the cracks, Yeah. but life is going to teach them. Mm. Life is going to my, one of my kids is going through that right now where he's getting feedback from his, 
um, appears, and it's and it's not pleasant. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, okay. Like behavior or like just how an, he, beha- I think he acts? I think it's an uh, it's just an attitude issue. Okay. And I think Tom Tom Papa does that about he does a joke about the brushing the teeth. Not the brush that but about his how your parents they just you're just the greatest thing ever. But then you go to school, you're like, Why is your head so big? Or why does your eye why do you got a Google Hey googly eye, what's your googly eye? You're like for the first time, Oh, I do have a googly eye. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> I'm not, you know, flawless. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's that same bit, dude, where he talks about, like, I'm tired of having to tell my kids to brush their teeth all the time. Let's just let life deal with that. Yeah. Let's let the kids at school start calling them, you know, poop mouth or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your breath stinks. It's and like then they peanut. go home, oh, you don't call me poop mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the why I liked American Idol so much when, with, uh, you know, what what's his... I'm, um, I need more details. Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell. There you go. Oh, what a great the, thing for America! Just the you brutal. Get, well, I heard. I think it was Wynton Marsalis say that all of his students they just want to be told how great they are. Mm. And so Simon comes into America, and he's like, "No, you need to. You know, you're not good." Do and the voice. Like, I just Come wasn't on, give good. Give me the Simon voice. Give me that. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> you know, it wasn't right. Man. No, you need to stop singing. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't just say you're bad. It's like, no, you need to not sing anymore. Yeah. You need to stop it because you're not. You're not. You know, and, and so it was a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's almost as good as as far as English voices is your Gervais. The Ricky Gervais, what? <laughs> it's me. Oh, ha, ha. Oh, ha. <laughs> no, he's not right. <laughs> you always say metal. That's your metal. word. Oh, <laughs> it's metal. <laughs> metal. <laughs> I think you're right, though, that there is just a brutal, uh, you know, gut check reality that sometimes uh, maybe American culture lacks right now. Don't we all? Kids want. Don't we all? I, hopefully we have that for ourselves, yeah. right? Well, it's interesting, though, because I think we've, like it was there. Like if we we're talking about teachers specifically. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa was a PE teacher for 35 years and he retired in like 94 and he would tell you oh, because his kids are getting so soft. Like, you can't even hit them anymore, you know, because <laughs> he was teaching in the 70s and the 80s. And it was a totally different, and, and the rules started, like, I remember we had a, um, I would have teachers that had an attachment to that old school kind of philosophy, but they knew the world was changing yeah. on how they could treat teachers. Like, I had a mm. football coach in eighth grade. Uh, there was a this little kid, Tony Campbell, would always like talk mess during. He was just he was a talker, and we we're in the huddle, <laughs> and and he's mouthing off. He says something to the coach while the coach is trying to, and the coach literally kicks him in the junk, like just yeah. hits him, and he's on the ground. <laughs> 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 he just had it enough with Campbell. Yeah. Oh, that's you, Campbell. You, Campbell. <laughs> Campbell, that's enough. And Campbell had ran so much and gotten so much trouble, we wouldn't stop. So he just lost it, and he and he kicked him in the junk, and we were all dying, but we never saw that coach again. <laughs> really? He was fired. Like he didn't come to school because, of yeah. course, you know this was 2002. Such things were frowned upon a little more. So it's, you know, culturally, it's a little bit lost. Yeah, that's when, that's the line. He crossed the line. <laughs> maybe kicked him maybe somewhere else. Maybe a good, uh, a Charlie horse, he'd have been okay. <sighs> or a frog, give him a, give a frog his leg, you know, you'd do your <laughs> knuckle and you'd just hit the top of his thigh. So you you were or weren't homeschooled, though? Oh, no. Because you, had, you oh, weren't no. homeschooled. No, and I don't even know, when I was a kid, 
you know, in the 70s. Was homeschooling a thing in the 70s? I don't even, I don't think. I think it we was didn't just do a part of a commune. Yeah, yeah, we didn't do anything at home. It was all. <laughs> um, home was where you I do remember first experiencing the first homeschool family. You go in there and there's a smell. There's like a, <laughs> it's like a, it just, it just smells like, just these people homeschool. Like it's too. It smells like dough. You don't have the smell of outside on you. No, You've you never don't. <laughs> There's no culture. There's no. It's it smells all. Smells like dough. It smells like dough. It smells like, <laughs> like you know, corn dog maybe, <laughs> like a lot of frozen foods, <laughs> um, maybe some homemade stuff. The TV trays are out. Well, they're using they're using you know how they may do an art projects with, with dough. They all smell of paper mache at all paper times. Mache, <laughs> a lot of paper mache smell, heavy glue, like a homemade glue. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Really this isn't Elmer's. This is Mama's glue. Oh, this yeah. is homemade. Well, that was the that was one a joke. It was just it used to be so fringy. You had you know you had all the the you know the conservative homeschoolers that dressed alike, and you had the hippie homeschoolers that you know on the other side of it. Right. So you had you know the one side was gro- making their own soap, and the other side was growing their own pot. You know, <laughs> and they were fringe homeschoolers. Did they get along? Did they ever merge? Who knows? What two wildly different groups of people to b- have the same theory on education? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, what? And they share just a distrust of the public education system. Well, it's just not distrust. Just I, to me, it just I. I, I honor those people that who realize how crucial education is mm. that they're going to take into their own hands. Um, how noble is that? I, I just, I, I love it. I just love it. To me, that's hardcore. People think homeschoolers are so, you know, nerdy and all this stuff. They're hardcore, man. They're, they're going to get, they're truly anti-establishment. <laughs> think about that. It's like, so the rage people, against the machine of education. Yeah. It's something people say progressive in this thing. You know, a lot of, progressive things today that they're not progressive at all it's just all about preserving the old the old way of doing things mm. you know public school that's not it's the least progressive thing i can think of you know and that that's just what everybody else does that's whatever yeah that's it you're My supposed five, to go there not, to go to in, in fact if you do anything different then you're weird mm. so um that said you do think homeschoolers are a little weird yes, <laughs> yes and they should be it's like you should you know at least they're different you know than all all you know, all in this lockstep, doing the doing the same thing. I just think I look back on school. I didn't like it. I didn't like school. It, Why is it that? It was just the rows and the the rows of chairs and oh the, yeah, the just like the brick and the wall for, stuff. You know, the people who are yeah, the people who are kind of that management style. They they like task lists and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Perfect for them. They love school. So then I felt I felt like if I wasn't like that, then I was a weirdo. I was stupid. I knew I wasn't stupid, but it's like I think. I'm making. I'm not really making bad grades. I just don't. I don't like it. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was okay not to like it. Not to. That this just wasn't set up for. We were talking about this yesterday. Did you feel I like thought. when you were in school, it was if you loved the subject, then it would go well. Mm-hmm. But if not, then, then it was just you're another row. You're another student in this row here. Uh, it, it, right, and it, it was really the the teacher too. I, I, the teacher had a lot to do with it. I remember my English teacher, Mrs. Black, she had one eye. I think she had a glass eye <laughs> where it kind of looked off to the whatever direction. Oh, how? So. What grade is this? Uh, this was in high school. Uh, she's an English teacher in high school. I loved her. I loved her. She was real. And I remember one conversation we had, she had with the class. She was talking about, we we're reading about vampires. And she said something about 
brought up the question, well, is the vampire, is that, is he the, the antagonist in the story? Is he, is he evil? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and really, the more I thought about it, it's like, I don't really know. He's just, he's really just hungry. <laughs> and he just, he likes blood. <laughs> he likes, he likes <laughs> blood. He's not evil. <laughs> and I said, that was a really good question. I said, well, I said, well, I don't know if he's evil, but he's our enemy because he wants to, you know, he wants to kill people. That's how he's our maybe predator. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's kind of random, but I remember that. It, <laughs> that's it's, that stuck out from your... Yeah, your, yeah. That's the only thing I learned. was about vampires. Vampires and typing. And typing. typing yeah, a lot of typing, typing classes. Yeah. Love typing. I, I, I got more <laughs> out of typing. I seriously... Than anything. <laughs> I just like that your reflection on high school is vampires and typing. Four years. <laughs> I learned that va- I learned to be more empathetic toward vampires and I learned how to type yeah. 80 words a minute. <laughs> Both equally useful world skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ch- right. That phrase on vampires, I don't I don't know if he's our enemy. He's just hungry. Yeah, what is he it, likes I don't blood? Know. It's like, well, he just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that's the thing that you eat. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. do you get mad? You don't get mad at the shark when he eats someone in the ocean, mm-hmm. right? No, the shark. It, I mean, but if you look at a shark, I think people would look at a shark and think it's evil. It's an ex morally. Unless you're DiCaprio, that huh? he wants to save them all, right? Yeah, does he? That's his big thing. Somebody was saying, uh, I read somewhere recently, it said that dolphins just sometimes kill things for fun. Just creatures that dolphins like, will just go attack something just to kill it for fun <laughs> well, that's the thing we we're so limited in like what we understand about uh especially like water uh, ocean creatures because you know mm-hmm. you only, so we base them on how cute they are yes so like the most deadly thing in the ocean is the the orca yeah it's the most i have the bit about it like i i mm-hmm. like seeing animals in their natural habitat when so when like you know orcas started killing trainers at SeaWorld, I bought a season's pass. Like, that's what they're supposed yeah. to do. They're called killer whales. Right, right. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the name. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so when someone gets on their back and he doesn't eat them, mm-hmm. that's out of... But they look so cool that we're like, well, th- we should we should train those to do backflips. Yeah. And the same thing with dolphins. But dolphins are these horrific mm-hmm. creatures. Yeah, it's like clockwork orange of the sea is what it is. <laughs> it, they just go around and they're just horrible... <laughs> Horrible creatures. That's the new SeaWorld exhibit. <laughs> Dolphins. This fall, clockwork orange, orange of the, the sea. sea. Yeah. <laughs> They're Stanley Kubrick or whatever yeah. creatures. And and uh, that's what makes it. It's like clowns. It's like that's what makes them so horrifying. They're so, you know, happy and, you know, slick. And yeah, I can't look at Flipper the same way anymore. <laughs> they call him. What was that? Regan did that bit on. Zipper. Zipper. <laughs> <laughs> He's on. What did he say? Henri or something He's, like that? He, uh, 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 he's, he's surly. Surly. He's surly. <laughs> Zipper. Surly. Yeah, we, uh, we, we can, we, we're, we're dealing with the ocean right now as the stingrays. I told you about that. Dang, that would. And your daughter got. Yeah, and I was pathetic. I thought I was going to be this super manly dad that could just throw his, mm-hmm. his kid on his shoulder, but she <laughs> wouldn't do the shoulders because that was like a little. I don't want to like sack of potatoes on my shoulder, so I. I hold her, you know, up front, and my biceps are just on fire. Yeah, she's crying. She's giving me no help. She's not giving me an arm around the shoulder or anything. No, no. And I'm. I had to. I had to take a knee for like thirty seconds. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eddie. Two hundred yards, 
in the sand. I remember, yeah, biceps. I, I just remember that's the thing about parenthood is your biceps are always in good shape. Yeah. Because you're always carrying something. Yeah. <laughs> you're carrying a car seat. Or oh, kid. man, I saw a dad recently get out of the car at uh, Target. And he was whole, and I forgot I hadn't, you know, because my kids are all walking. We're not, we're, yeah. di- we're even done with the stroller now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the car seat on the knee, you know, you're just, you know, you pull the car seat out. You're, I don't want that life. You just always have little cut cuts on the side of your mm-hmm. knee, <laughs> a callus on your fingers. You've been lifting weights, no, man. Mm-hmm. I've been taking yeah, the we, kid it, out it, of the car. As into the, soon as we could just get rid of that car seat, well, then you would go from the car seat to the half seat. Right. There's no and clean break. There's no, no, and then. We, I it's mean, like potty honest, training. Yeah. There was well, no clean break. You're supposed to have them in a car seat for a longer. We're supposed to be in car seats ours. right now. Yeah. As a 33 year old <laughs> <laughs> who's only five eight, I need oh, a, a half yeah. half seat. Oh, I need dang. a quarter boost. This is fun though. So for those of you who don't know, we are uh, of course none of you know we're uh, driving from Sacramento ish. What city were we in? Roseville. Roseville. Roseville yeah, down to L. A. And uh, in the cars, me and Tim Hawkins and Todd Hawkins. How you doing, Todd? Hey. hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, you had fun doing the shows, yeah? You've been playing that church for a long time. Oh, yeah. Some some places you go into and it's everything lines up. Everything just works. It's you as, as a comic, when people ask me about hell gigs or um, – bombing or things like that it usually has to do with the environment that you're in Mm. either they can't see you they can't hear you there's something distracting you're outdoors and they have those blow-up rides and the motor Ah! (laughs) i've done these little christian coffee houses where they don't well they just do mixed drinks or the where they do like smoothies (laughs) sorry it's a lot of cappuccinos yeah and it's like right off stage and this guy just has the vitamix Ah! (laughs) i'm like is this okay seriously is this going to happen all uh, night. I mean, really. I, told, I told you about the festival I did last week with the roadies doing sound check during my yeah. set. Yeah. Check, check, boom, 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 boom. Check one. We're on the, We're coming yeah. through the same speakers. Yeah. yeah. The, what I'm doing yeah. is is based on mm-hmm. hearing me. Yes. <laughs> there's no. Yeah. And there's this guy's crack right in your face. He's put moving a monitor. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Comedy can't be. Uh, it's not like music where you can kind of enjoy it as a background thing. No. You know, it, just like, oh, I like this bit, but mm-hmm. this one I'm going to talk during. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and we've we've dealt with that, too. You'll, you'll do work at a banquet. And, OK, we're going to bring you out. Then we're going to bring out the dessert. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, oh, wait, 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 you're going <laughs> to I'm going to start and then you're going to bring out the dessert. <laughs> so there there are I think my brother and I, we we came up with just red flag after red flag that we would, you know, OK, one red flag is Christian alternative prom. <laughs> right, that was a red flag. Or it's outside. That's <laughs> like, a red flag. I like that you had to do Christian alternative prom to know that that was a red flag. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> it seems like because half of them are like just real straightforward. You know, the nerdy types, what, is, and the is, other half have beer in the trunk. They're just ready to get out. <laughs> they got beer and condoms. They're just ready to get out. Because these a lot of kids in Christian school are one step away from. Some of the worst military kids out there. school. Yeah. yeah, this is well. We this we've tried everything else. Let's try Christian school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will. You know what they need is is some religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need more rules because mm-hmm. they're responding so well to the few that they have now. Oh, Christian school is a trip. It really is. And my my buddy, he coaches at at uh, the local Christian school, and they he tells me stories, you know, about they brought in. They've tried to bring in some uh, uh, some 
you know, underprivileged kids mm -hmm. and uh, good athletes, bring them in, you know, make, just, just give them opportunity, uh, let them go to a, a good school. And basically the sports were really, really suffering. So it's like, hey, let's get some good players in here. Yeah. And so they did. And a, and a lot of people are like, oh, no, they do things differently. Oh, no, these kids, these, you know, kids are, they look different. They do things differently. They're a little more uh, abrasive. They stand up in class. I'm like, what? okay, that's what they're coming from. Are we? Right. And it's the world uh, they know. Then they say, oh, they're just such a bad influence. And then somebody posts a one of the moms that was all against these kids coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, her daughter, they, they, they posted, you know, she was on this, whatever, one of the sports teams. And they were doing the, this whole twerking thing, this totally. Right crazy you know uh, on on facebook they're posting this stuff so but that your but own this kid, kid from a different place yeah, yeah, in a different yeah, yeah. well i mean from, i mean it seems that's what jesus would want as far as keeping the bad kids out i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah right hey, this is just for us huh? well it, it truthfully it, you think what is the mission is it you know I, I don't know i don't know is the mission true outreach what's the is point it, of a christian school in general in general, yeah, and that's mm -hmm. a good question. I really, I really don't know. You'd think that, yeah, you want to. Uh, I would think you'd want to be a little more. Let's go after it. Let's yeah. let's really do it. Let's put our money where our mouth is, and let's do something really, really hard mm. or, or or challenging, so to speak. Right. But he's getting these kids that are coming in, and they're just like, and they're getting these, especially these male role models in their life for once, and to see them turn is is crazy cool it's yeah so if you're gonna have a christian school that seems like the point yeah to actually make a positive impact in people's lives just to change life yeah change lives and and um have some true i mean true impact so you your kids did you guys homeschool them the whole way or did you guys do some christian school stuff too we did like, do you have experience oh, personally? well we started when spencer my first child we started with him so um my wife and i both worked when we had spencer pretty much right away we were living in texas um were you doing comedy and the job then sort or? of not really i was more I, I was consistent tried to get gigs whenever i could i mean at that point i was just maybe doing 10 gigs a year i wouldn't you know just doing stuff here and there right um so i was really just trying to work i, I was working what was the a job again the jobs. factory or something no i did everything i i at work rented cars and work at the factory <laughs> <laughs> well didn't you have a factory job at some point at some point i think yeah i worked <laughs> at factories that was the most <laughs> i did i came home with a soot all over my face had a pail had a lunch been, pail there might have been a manufacturing yeah, line black somewhere lung, involved black lung didn't you work in a mine didn't you? Did, you, did you say mime a mine <laughs> I, I worked as a mime I and then i worked as a mime in a mine <laughs> They weren't into it. They man. weren't into it. It was a tough crowd. They were, it was hard while with the pickaxes <laughs> doing my mime work. You know. Mime in a mine. I, and they you couldn't know, see me. That was another thing. They couldn't see. Someone told you have to see the mime. <laughs> someone told me early on, you really want to find a niche market. And I thought, mimes in mines? <laughs> that will be mine. <laughs> that will be mine. <laughs> but no, gee whiz. Todd. People on his phone. Take it easy, Todd. This guy. Oh, was that that guy next to us? Yeah, he was. Okay. He's probably on his phone. Or he's, he's not a fan of the podcast. He's not. It must be weird driving by us and we're holding microphones talking in the back. Yeah, it's like when you watch comedians in cars and people are looking in, but then you realize 
their car is surrounded by four other cars with mm-hmm. cameras. <laughs> hey, can, we, can we talk how great Jerry Seinfeld is? He's the best. What a great guy. Yeah. I I was watching some clips of Sebastian Maniscalco. Maniscalco. And, and Jerry was in the front row just, just busting up with his wife, just cracking up. And I just... He's so supportive. He just, he's kind of an ambassador now. I think, yeah, I think he's like the Pope. He's yeah. the comedy Pope yes. now. He speaks on behalf of comedy. And I think the reason that comedians mm-hmm. like him is because he's such a fan of comedy. Mm-hmm. I love hearing him talk about how much he loves jokes and people's, yeah. and he remembers other people's bits. And, and you know, when you listen to Seinfeld, a lot of time, even mm-hmm. in his act, it's, he doesn't have a particular love for people. But he loves right. comedy. Yeah, he loves comedians and the work that we do and jokes and everybody's act. Mm-hmm. He loves it. Yes, and and he is, you know, he does always brings it back. It's all about the funny. It's all about I don't care, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you do if you're male, female. It's funny. It's just got to be funny. Yeah, and he's and he's. It's true. I love to. I mean, you just be funny. Yeah, and it's so him, endearing. Yeah. Someone just. Mm-hmm. Cutting through any, I mean, he hates the PC nonsense so mm-hmm. much too. You know, of yeah. all I care about is funny. All the only, and I feel about that too with comedians. You just go, you know, our only real currency is funny. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think people try to get around it? It's it's so hard to do. So to get around it, how can we do that? Can we be more just likable? Can we be that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you can. Sure, mm-hmm. and you're going to find an audience for it, who really likes you, and they'll come see you, and they'll buy a ticket, and that's great. I think that's really but there's total workarounds. Other people do the I'm gonna be an important comedian. I'm only mm-hmm. gonna and, and and they're more you know, preachers or political pundits, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's like there has to be jokes in there. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what you're doing. Uh-huh. Whether it's important or, or like some we, kind of payoff, some kind of connection and and, and yeah, I um I, I do I, I get I get it where there are certain musicians that I can listen to no matter what they do. I don't care if it's a hit or not. I just want to hear them mm. do their thing. Right. And that's when I feel like I'm a true fan of somebody. Yeah. Like, I'll listen to do whatever you stuff? put out. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to new all day yeah. long. I, don't, I really don't care because I just so, I like, I like what it is you're doing. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> There's like you know. five bands for mm-hmm. me. And I can't, but everybody yeah. else is like, this has to be a good song for me to like. But mm-hmm. then... You know, if someone like Damien Rice put something out, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to listen to it no matter what. No matter what, it's mm-hmm. going to be, and I'm going to like it because yeah. I like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And and I think the more you try to stretch it and try to please everybody, that's where it's going to it's gonna sap your energy. It's going to sap your strength and your, I don't know, your joy and all that. Well, there's, right, there's it's the... It's impossible. There's the wide fan base, right, and then the deep fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Some know, people just come in for a little bit and they leave. Okay, yeah. they're fine. Oh, I've had enough. Yeah. Boom, big pop hit. You mm-hmm. know, you move on, you get a bunch of fans, you know, but they may or may not stick with you. Whereas a deep fan, like, you know, wh- whoever it may mm-hmm. be for you, they, mm-hmm. anything they put out, you, they can, like you said, they can come into your town and say, I'm going to do an all acoustic show. Yes. And you go, yeah, I'll go see that. Yeah. Right. Eddie Vedder did that with a ukulele <laughs> or ukulele. Ukulele. With an u- is, ukulele. It's ukulele. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, he was doing that, and then, uh, yeah, it was just him, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that sounds like something Pearl Jam would do. Or, you know, Eddie Vedder would do. Yeah. They're doing these big, like, uh, 
like stadiums now like they did the did you watch the let's play two oh, documentary they did. oh they did uh not the doc but i saw a video from the chicago cubs uh from wrigley field yeah they played that yeah did you oh so you didn't watch the whole documentary no, around it no. it's on an airplane next time you're on an airplane okay. it's on the free entertainment okay it's so good and they play all the hits because you know they kind of had to. oh no 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 i saw exit on apple tv i saw i watched the preview for it yeah so, <laughs> i would watch music documentaries all day but then my family are there what? I just like that. I, uh, oh yeah, I watched the preview for it, and yeah, you, you couldn't well, remember if you'd seen it or I watched. Well, the no, no, for it. no. I knew I watched a clip for it, but it's I, really that's good. What, that's <laughs> mostly, I just watch trailers. <laughs> I will sit for two hours and watch trailers. I'll never watch the movie. I watched, you know, because uh, all the like new comic book movies, whatever trailer they put out, mm-hmm. goes viral. And so now, the day before they release the trailer, they release a trailer for the trailer. trailer. Coming tomorrow. And it's just, you know, they take a three-minute thing and make it a 30... St- boom, 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 boom. <laughs> like, okay. What, what's next? We're just going to show one frame from the movie. Yeah. Tomorrow's the trailer, 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 trailer. <laughs> trailer, trailer. <laughs> it's, like, it's over. <laughs> we just put the name of it. It's just a poster. It's kind of like those subliminal things they used to show. Like a show uh, on one frame would have a Coca-Cola on it. And, and a movie. Yeah. Like, what? Huh? You didn't really. Subliminal. I'm going to go get some Coca-Cola now. I'm getting some. Yeah, I'm thirsty. Back, this is when, this was between when movies had intermission. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I still like going to the movies. Yeah. That's Uh it. They've improved the experience in the movie. Like, I I don't go to live sports anymore. I'll go to a baseball Mm -hmm. game because you can passively enjoy it and the vibe is great. Mm -hmm. But if football, soccer, any other sports I watch, watching it on a TV is a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. The angles, you can, it, it's so much, but movies, are bigger, yeah. movies yeah. have improved. The The service is better, the food is better, the seats mm-hmm. are better. It's a, it's a good experience. Well, and I, I watched, really interesting, I watched, we watched, we saw Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. that new movie, and very cool because I think we're going to see more of that, you know, a, a Bollywood kind of that feel. It had that Bollywood feel to that movie. Plus, it had a golden age of film kind of a feel. Like right, the yeah. old, I don't know something what it is different. about it. Something about it was old school with a new, with a new packaging. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just works. Yeah. It's, it's, um, was it good? You saw it? You liked it? It was very good. Jimmy O. Yang's in it. He's a San Diego comic guy. Yeah, guy. it was funny. It was quirky. Um, I think that was it. The kind of the quirkiness of the characters reminded me of those movies in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, where they're just more over the top, and, and this is um, not really a lot of nuance. Not very subtle. Yeah, not not subtle. No, it was not dark. Where everything's dark now. Ugh. Ugh. So it's I, it'll be interesting to see if that has some influence on. Pretty upbeat well, though. Well, and also it, it kind of La La Land was sort of like that, of course, mm-hmm. and like that too. Of course, it was it was dark and it was awesome, and and it affected me. That movie was just like, oh wow, that that was so heavy. It hit you. Yeah. Oh, emotionally hit me. Um, I like that, you know, where, yeah. where it sticks with you. But um, I don't very, like very I don't cool. like that out of my movies. You I only I, see popcorn movies. I feel like really life is heavy enough. Okay. <laughs> I sometimes it's a whole thing when you sit mm. down and someone's like, "Hey, you're gonna have to watch Moonlight." You're like, "Oh gosh, I don't." Or mm-hmm. it's just this great movie. It re- brings light to a really important issue. And you're like, ah, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. <laughs> I could watch Avengers again. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I was thinking about that last night. Uh, was 
because this trailer for a horror movie came on and I was trying to get in the mind of why do we make horror movies? The world is so scary <laughs> yeah. already. Mm-hmm. Why did we add fake scary things too? <sighs> Here's hey, I know there's all these things that you're worried about. Here's some yeah. more fake things yeah. that will just take away your sleep. <laughs> well, it's but it's but I think it's more of it's like why do people eat hot sauce? Why will why will people eat a Carolina Reaper? Yeah. Knowing that it's gonna just probably burn the lining it of your stomach. It will reap them. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a pop. It's it makes you feel alive. You know, when you're scared, you feel alive. Yeah, so it's the adrenaline. One of my favorite things. Yeah, I guess maybe as a comedian, I don't need that. I mean, we deal with <laughs> adrenaline pretty viscerally. True. You know, I don't need to go see a scary clown movie. And I'm t- and I just get uh, like right now. I mean, we're driving. I'm just I'm sapped. I know we played golf yesterday and that's true, but still, I mean, the Isn't that the most pathetic? I was talking to my wife later. I was like, I'm really tired cuz I golfed. I golfed. <laughs> yeah, and I had a cart. <laughs> with Oh, man, I was having food and drink the whole time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Someone would drive around on a different cart to bring mm-hmm. me drinks. I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, I, I, and I'm learning that we have a limited supply of adrenaline. We have, then it, it, it's right. And you got the glands, right? The adrenal glands. You do. You they know. they can run out. And isn't that I think people who get I I don't know if I'm sure there's studies of that people who are adrenaline junkies like what that really does to them physically, what, it's got it. There's a cost. There's got to be a, sure. something that is, if you you deplete that. You know, Your body can only take so much, right? And I think I, I went through that um, the last couple of years. I took, I took uh, one of those uh, happy chemical tests or something, blood tests, and I had no chemicals in my brain. I, I mean, they didn't what? even register. I didn't have any serotonin, epinephrine, or whatever it's called, all that kind of stuff. They didn't even register. And so, what the guy say when he's looking at the results? Uh So you take the test, and do, they, do you like go over it with a guy? He reviews. Yeah, it. my doctor. Yeah. And what do he say? Well, he just said... <laughs> See, I didn't even... Uh, some guy talked uh-huh. to you? Yeah, my guy. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> some guy at a Costco. He was, uh, he was and giving he out samples. Windows. And he <laughs> And I gave him my blood. And <laughs> I know and so looked, little about this world, as um, you can tell. No, and... and well, What'd your just, doctor say? Well, he just said, I, need, I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we kind of built the, in the last year or two you know building that back up because a lot of it has to do with your you, you know you have your glands your pituitary tells your you know testicular tells your thyroid to do certain things mm-hmm. and certain pathways get blocked it's just opening those things up and you know and, um, and it's a strain from all the performance is, is what you're saying well it's important and, and I mean you do and a long family show. stuff and just life and mm-hmm. just not take care of yourself mm-hmm. um, so like like I've noticed when I'm when I do like we do a show last night for 2,000 people as opposed to doing a show for 500 people as opposed to for 200 people it can be the same show but it's just like there's something about the bigger ones that some mm-hmm. it's draining more out of you emotionally something is happening happening there's that that's being sapped yeah and you don't really realize that because it's so it's fun and there's an adrenaline and there's just like a I think we, as a comic, and you're there. It's where you get you get used to some of that stuff, and mm-hmm. but there's still your brain is processing it, and it takes it takes energy, it takes stuff. Yeah, well, I think for me sometimes as well is you don't realize that you're actually being drained well before it starts, in the preparation of it. Oh yeah, because it's not like you just roll mm-hmm. out of bed and walk in front of mm-hmm. any crowd, whether yeah. it's fifty or five thousand. Yeah. 
you know, you think on it. You know, I talked to when I was doing Brad Garrett's room. Yeah. I asked him, do you still, you know, get nervous? And he goes, um, yeah, before shows. And he told me, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, every day that I have to perform, I hate. <laughs> Which really? he was exaggerating by seeing, like, I think about it all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to perform tonight and, and, and yeah. this is in front of me. And so you don't, when, when we have a unique thing where we, we have these high pressure, really the highest pressure situations of you go on stage, everybody look at you. So you're preparing for it long before you even get on stage. And so it's taking from you and then you do it and it's, it's like a relief, but it's also just like, Oh, yeah. that's finally over. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause in your mind you're like, Oh, I only, you know, I was on stage for an hour and a half. Like what that, you know, that's and in front of people who are laughing at you, you're doing something that you love. It's and like, it felt mm. great. It was so fun. Well, it's this, the show, like, like I think a tonight show to me, it's already over. It's the preparation's done. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I, I want to be in the moment in case something new happens. And that's, there's always fun in that. Yeah. Cause, Oh, I might get a new line or a new take on an, an idea that I'm, that's already established or try a new joke that might, uh, well, there you go. That you, I, I've had, okay, I'm going to do this new joke in two weeks. <laughs> so for two weeks, I'm just, Oh, I get that, that little thing in my stomach. Like, yeah. Oh, here it comes. It's yeah. coming. <laughs> There it's up. Or here's a gig that you know, you know it's probably gonna suck. Yeah. But <laughs> whatever it comes. whatever bad gig is on my calendar, uh, it's what I think about uh, mm. right when my head hits the pillow. Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh, that's coming up. Yeah. And then you do it, and even when it's bad, bad, it's over, and then you just think about what the next one is. Does it help you having, I mean, your family on the road, like the crew with you? You know, people are. Sometimes yeah. when you're drained, the oh, best sure. thing for you to do is to isolate, though, right? Yeah. Well, I'm coming out of that too. I'm coming out of that where I'm, where I'm, you know, being isolated and thinking that's really not good. Um, any kind of isolation, I, I think it's. There are times when you do need alone. I do need alone time, and I, I just, I, I crave it, and I, I, I like it, but not getting into that, just not staying there. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's a time for this and there's a time for that. Like right. we're talking about, it's um, there's it's, it's not one or the other. It's both. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to engage more and I want to um, you know, pursue more and like I, I'm I'm really learning about empathy about how I struggle with that. I struggle with empathy. I'm like I'm a really nice person. Well, that's not what empathy is. I'm a really deep feeling person. Well, that's not mm. empathy goes farther. Empathy is where you feel something, but you express that to someone else yeah. and you open yourself up so that they yeah. can open themselves. And you're like, mm. and you're actually actively listening to what they're having, to what they have to say. Mm. And then that's so crucial because, it, you know, if I have an issue or if you have an issue and you're coming to me with that, if I'm actually listening and giving you feedback, it gives you kind of a reference like where you can say, okay, maybe I'm overreacting or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm underreacting. It gives you a reference point to move on. And, and, and that's where true, you know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I I'm learning. I'm just learning that. I think stuff. it's, I think it's the best human trait there is. Yeah. It's I, like, cause it, I think it feeds mm-hmm. your, yes. what you think and how you treat and, and it treat yeah. others. And also yeah. when you disagree with people and you can empathize, okay, well, this is why you think this and you come from this background and this is why this is, a, and it just tra- yes. it changes everything mm-hmm. on how you interact with people. Well, and it, it exactly. And you don't take them for granted. Yeah. Like, you, you know, I love you. Like, right. well, okay, Do maybe, you? but 
it, it goes farther than that. It's when you let people know where you, what you think, how you feel about something, they're not having to fill in the gaps themselves. Mm-hmm. That's when really bad stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I thought you did this for 20 years. <laughs> no, no, I just, you know, it's, you knew that, right? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. you never told me. Yeah, because I'm not you. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, that, that gets, that um, becomes larger, a larger issue when in a marriage situation. Mm-hmm. When, you know, if it's not there in a marriage, the marriage is over or maybe the marriage will stay together, but it's not good. Yeah, it is. It's it's it it is. It is there. And right now I'm at a place in my marriage where I've come to this realization and silent songs. I'm I'm learning a new language. So when I communicate with my wife, um, I have to almost walk through the steps in my head. Okay, Mm -hmm. this doesn't come naturally to me. Okay, what's first? Okay, actually listen, Um, uh, you know, acknowledge that I've heard what she's saying how I feel about mm-hmm. what she said you know that kind of stuff absolutely um, and it's really fun yeah it's work though like you said it doesn't it, it's work and it works yeah. you know it, it, <laughs> That's it, a good it, way putting it. it is it, it there's a reason maybe they call it that um, uh, but but it's like I'm 50 years old and and I you know once again raised thinking I'm a really nice person I am a really nice person <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty generous, mm-hmm. but I'm not empathetic. Yeah, and, and 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 it doesn't mean I don't care about people, but it means I don't share what I care mm. that I care about people. So it's action, but not necessarily the words that go alongside it. The articulation yeah. of the emotion. Yeah, and I try to. And, and that I, allows people to empathize with you too. Like it, it mm-hmm. it's a, it's the two way street of. Yeah. Oh, I understand you, and now you understand me, and oh, I'll have these moments in my marriage where sometimes because I don't. Mm-hmm. I always, my wife and I always joke, like, I don't really have human emotions. It's just kind yeah. of here, you know, I just, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. you know, I just kind of operate at this level kind of at all times. No, no big ups or downs. Mm. And then, so sometimes I'll express something and it's like a revelation to her. And, and, and she's like, yeah. I, you know, when you pull something deep from the heart and you go, oh, this actually feels nice for both of us. Mm-hmm. We are starting to understand and connect with one another. Well, and it's and it doesn't have to be positive either, a pos- or a so-called positive emotion, which to, which I've learned it's there's no such thing. Mm. Emotion is just emotion. Yes. And as you know, as Christians, we were taught well. If it's anger, then it's wrong. Mm. If it's frustration, it's wrong. You shouldn't shouldn't whine. You should never be. You frustrated. should be, always be content. Well, not that, that's really not what that means. You're no. just that's martyr. That's martyr mentality. Yeah. That's oh look how bad I've got it mentality, and learn to say if I'm angry about something not keeping it in but expressing honey I'm, I'm angry about this I'm angry that I do this and I'm angry that this happened or um, you know, I'm frustrated that something happened with the kids I'm just frustrated that, that it's, I'm not I don't feel this you know yeah well, and, when you and start embracing that and you can start to understand where the anger comes from why are you frustrated mm, why mm-hmm. why does the situation yeah. And, yeah. and not to get all you know psychoanalytical but a lot of time it does have to do with your situation and your circumstances and mm-hmm. you know the things that you've experienced and and I think you're exactly right I mean mm-hmm. you know you don't control your emotions you the emotions happen nobody mm-hmm. made a decision to go I'm gonna feel yes. angry right now is that to be controlled they right just come up now what do I do with that anger once it yeah. comes I mean somebody likened it to a uh, the to a sensor light on your car like the oil light coming on that's when it's that's what a, an emotion is interesting it's like oh so okay yeah. The, the, there's something here. I'm feeling this. Okay, what's going on? Let's, like you said, like what? What's the source? Yeah. Where does um, this come from? Yeah. Um, so, man, it's it, it is, 
it's not it's not easy and it's it really is it's difficult um getting broken down mm. but it's essential um and it's broken down you mean just kind of an understanding broken down like i have really missed the mark here mm. um but it's like my what i say now so much to myself is what's the end game what is my end game here what am i <laughs> yeah Am I climbing up the wrong pole? It's like this. Because <laughs> this is hard. Climbing poles is very hard. There's no it. handles. Yeah, and I really have come to the conclusion that, you know, having come to the end of myself, there is nothing there. Mm. Absolutely nothing. And and anything I'm striving for, reaching for. We were talking about golf. You know, what yeah. is it about golf that I'm really? What is what is the end game here? Yeah. And it's it's just like. Why are you trying to grasp something like that? Why are you trying to? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just something to enjoy the process. Yeah. And or is it at fifty now? I need to become a great golfer. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like well, an appropriate goal. When you goal. get down to it, you want to impress your friends. They don't care. They yeah. just want it. They're just waiting for their turn to hit. Yeah. They don't care <laughs> a rip. Yeah, that's so true. About how. <laughs> how good you are. <laughs> they care how good they are. Yeah, and so. Well, and that's one of those things, too, yeah. that you strive for. And then when it comes and someone like if I go up and I, was, I go, Tim, you're such a great golfer. And it, and it didn't satisfy. That didn't pay mm-hmm. off. That I gave you it's exactly what you thought you wanted. It's not enough. It's, a, it's a, Bill, Bill Hicks did a bit on Letterman once. He's talking to Letterman about Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. They're just sitting in the garden. Yeah, look at this. We have everything. We're, we have everything we need to eat. We're in, we're in peace with the animals. We... You know, we're unashamed, naked and unashamed. We're in communion, walking with God every day. And they're like, yeah, it just isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's no, just not doing not, it for not me. Not enough. Not yeah. enough. I need more. <laughs> and the, the fact is, no, that's, that's really not the question whether there's more. It's whether, you know, are you good enough with just, with just the process and can you just flow with it and, that's um, my favorite Dustin Kenser song. He's the lead singer of Thrice. Mm-hmm. He did a, or I think it is a Thrice song. It's not enough. You know, I could have mm-hmm. all the money, all the fame, all the, you know, everyone singing my praises. I mean, that was when, you know, Jim Carrey did that commencement speech. I hope that everybody that wants to be rich and famous gets to be so they will realize it won't make them happy. You know, these things right. that we're trained to think we want, we get, mm-hmm. and then... And then we realize they don't satisfy. I know. I got a call from Gulf Shores Police and uh, today, and it says that one of the doors on one of my five houses is open. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't. Who we, I got to have somebody go over and close the door. I swear to you, that's what's. <laughs> I got a call today. My beach house in Gulf Shores. Yeah, Mr. Hawkins. Yeah, your door on your uh, top level is open, and we can't get in there to. Uh, uh, secure the the premises so if you can get somebody over there so now I got to get somebody to go and <laughs> close the door on my beach house one of my five houses one of my five has houses has a door open <laughs> has a door open <laughs> so people yes it's it's not all it's cracked up to be <laughs> so it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm serious. I'll play, the, just, I'll play the message. One of the new problems in my one life. One of the new problems. Is, you know, I've got all these houses and they have all these doors. They have these doors on them. 
and sometimes the doors don't get shut. <laughs> it's all different levels. The I heard my yeah. uh, my wife uh, <laughs> recently. Uh, she came home from uh, um, from the grocery store and she's putting the groceries away and she goes, "The fridge is too full." And I go, "That's a first world problem." <laughs> throw out bags of food so you don't feel you know oh when our we have too much food oh when our fridge is clean my wife is in just shangrel she is just at peace with the world when the fridge is cleaned out (laughs) and i kind of that that has rubbed off on me i i uh she has changed me i i one day i was walking around our apartment or whatever and i there were some clothes that my shirt on the floor and i stepped over it and it just hit me like, somebody's got to pick up that shirt. <laughs> it's either going to be me or her. I'm serious. Yeah. It's like, because I grew up, my, my mom, you, you should leave laundry on the floor and it's magically cleaned and pressed. And, that was and the laundry up. basket. And it's like, wow, that's, I just thought that's how life worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, doesn't like that. It ends up. Well, it, it's, yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> You think uh, I thought you? I really thought you wanted to mother me. But no, yeah, that's. Uh, but no, that's that's really funny. First world problems. We, um, gosh, we throw away lots of clothes. Do you guys do the clothes clothing giveaway? We things? donate to the Salvation Army because you yeah. know me, big lover of the Salvation Army. Oh yeah, big because all of their all their clothes. Uh, so their thrift stores have a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. with the ARC, their Adult Rehabilitative Center. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I don't know what symbiotic means, but I, it sounds really Yeah, I learned really it good. from 30 Rock. Uh, yeah. I, think, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think Alec Baldwin said it a lot. Um, <laughs> no, they go hand in hand. So the money that comes from the thrift stores goes and supports these guys who are in rehab. And, you know, people have different theories on rehab. But one, if you want one that, you know, kind of has a, a more spiritual aspect to it through the yeah. Celebrate Recovery stuff, that's what the ARC Did they is. start Celebrate Recovery? No, I don't or just think they have a version so, of it. but they, I mean, they've been doing it. They've been doing it, yeah. Way longer it's before than Before it was called else. Celebrate Recovery. I love doing those gigs. Yeah. The, oh, recovery gigs are the best because gigs. Because you, you don't know where they're coming from, they, but they know how to party. Oh, my gosh. They're just so happy they know how to have a good time. to them. Yeah. Because they, they can't go to a comedy club. Right. A lot of, I mean, some guys who have been clean for a while can, yeah. but if, like, you're in recovery comedy club, you're not going to go. They yeah. are so fun. Yes. They're absolutely a blast. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we do the cl- closing giveaway. To We mm-hmm. usually give the Salvation Army. Yeah. To answer I'm, your question. Yeah, my wife worked for them, and I, I fell in love with the, with the Salvation Army uh, yeah. down in Texas. And I yeah, I worked for them for five years. Gigs for them were fun, too. You've, have them. you done gigs for them? Lots of them. Yeah. 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 I do, uh, like, a New Year's show. I've done it the last two years, mm-hmm. a New Year's show at the local recovery, like the center of the ARC yeah. in downtown San Diego. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite show. Because I'll do that at 6 o'clock, and then I'll go do the New Year shows in downtown San Diego for mm-hmm. the drunk crowds, and I'll take the sober crowds, the, the guys in recovery. They're yeah. so gracious and fun. And Todd, you do you know. remember that gig we did, uh, that Trinity? It wasn't – it was a church in Carrollton, Texas. And we did a one New Year's Eve Covenant Church, and I did a three gigs in one night in three different locations. I did one at Celebrate Recovery, I did a youth gig, and then I went and did a singles gig. Like 10 o'clock, midnight, and 2 in the morning or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure the, re- the recovery one was the best. <laughs> well, I remember because I did it up to midnight, and I was in the middle. I had not finished my act, but they just kind of stopped. It turned off the mic right at midnight so they could <laughs> celebrate. And I was like, all right, thanks. I uh, when I have friends that uh, you know who you know because 
you know, I do a lot of different types of gigs, you know, churches and clubs. And when people ask me about hell gigs and tell me about bad crowds, mm -hmm. I go, uh, how many junior high lock-ins have you done? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep. Now tell me about a bad crowd. Yeah, I, the no. one that I did, I, we just drove through Elk Grove. I remember about a year and a half ago, yeah. uh, they had a pixie, eating, a pixie stick eating contest for like 20 kids who could eat them the fastest. And then they had a contest of who could scream the loudest. Yeah. Individually just, ah! mm -hmm. All right, so we brought in a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> and they bring me up to do a half an hour <laughs> Uh, and I'm bringing people on stage. Oh, I'm yeah. interacting because the last thing they want to hear, especially no. junior higher. I mean, it is not. Got to be some is not kind of participation thing. I wanted to learn how to play guitar, and I almost learned on stage just to survive. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, I did one in Kansas City. It was in a gym, and they uh, had balloons <laughs> all over the floor. You couldn't see the floor because there was balloons everywhere. <laughs> Went up to brought my my guitar in front. There was no mic. There was no mic stand right so i had one of the kids hold the mic <laughs> up to my mouth <laughs> while i played <laughs> yeah yeah we one gig we did uh, i think we had the band where kids were starting making noise oh he can do a dolphin so we just say all right we're gonna do a, an animal <laughs> noise contest it's just pure survival well it's it, it's it's that but it's also sometimes a lot of that taught me how to how to be in the moment and how mm. to um, you know create something and and even do it real time I when I first started I would never go off act I would if something happened in the room I would never go off mm. my my set list but now I'm just open where if somebody has a horse laugh or something like that I'm gonna acknowledge it oh, okay yeah. you, you gotta know. deal with that and one of my favorite things to do is once in a while you'll get somebody who who can't control it and oh it just starts rolling <laughs> laughter they'll do the <laughs> and then it just you'll I'll stop everybody down cuz you know they're they're going to do it again yeah and then when they do it again it just it it explodes and then just let's keep doing it and then cuz they're they're still laughing and then I'll go down in the audience and put the mic in their face <laughs> do that next time that yeah. happens and then it's, it's just, coming again. It takes it, it to a whole nother. The place. snort laugh, the out of control laugh, always comes when everybody's done laughing. Yeah, it's it's coming. Well, and it's and a th gift from the comedy gods. It is, and it's part of uh, you're helping the audience too. You're acknowledging it, like if there's a crying baby or something, a flickering light, acknowledge it because yeah. they're wondering, does he does he hear the crying baby? <laughs> yes, I hear the crying baby. I think that there is a time, a time, a time for this, a time for that. There is sometimes that I'll just ignore. Like if like there's chatter that's going to be done that's I don't think is affecting the show, but then yeah. there are other times where it's like an absolute gift. I think I don't know if I yeah. so last week I'm at the DC Improv, and I'm doing shows with John Christ, mm -hmm. and I'm opening, and um, I'm like, they first off they give me the worst intro. Yeah. Uh, bless their heart, ladies and gentlemen. Your headliner tonight is you've seen him in all the videos, and I, uh, John Chris. Woo! But first, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. my intro, and then I come on stage. And about five minutes into my set, I look, and a woman had put her to-go box on the stage and was scooping her nachos off of her plate <laughs> to-go box. Off the and I'm just looking at it as I'm finishing a bit going, dear God, please let this still be happening yeah. when I finish this joke. And sure enough, it is. And I go and I grab the food and I put it on the chair and I start eating the food and talking to her. Like, if you're going to do this on the stage, this yeah. is my food. Everybody's yeah. laugh. It's not even a great bit, but then... Well, I start making fun of her. I'm going like, 
you're seven minutes into the show. Why are you getting your food to go now? Yeah. <laughs> like you're like, I don't want to have to deal with this when John's yeah. on stage. Yeah, Let yeah. me get this done during the opener. Well, that's good. And it's a gift. All, the, All of it was funny and it crushed well, because it's in the moment. Do you think, do you feel that you have that kind of um, protective mentality with your, the headliner? Like cleaning up all that stuff before and, and yes. setting the stage for them. Yes, because that's that's very generous and that's I think that's very professional to know your place. I and see if there are if there are fires. The way that I look at it is fires mm-hmm. in the crowd. That if there are ones that I can put out or they're ones that I think will keep going. And I've said yeah. that before. Like, listen, get this out of. I don't care if you talk. Just be done with this before the head and sometimes that works and a lot of the time it works and you just kind of deal with it but it's a balance too of you don't want to do so much crowd work with a crowd uh that now they expect that because maybe the headliner doesn't want to do that and their job is much harder than yours they have to go usually you know close to twice the amount of time as you and it may it probably they feel i i think with the the opener in the middle that Maybe they can get away with more of that. Mm-hmm. As for the headliners, like, oh, the teachers here, maybe. Right. Or, you know that kind of yep, mentality absolutely. too. They yeah, might have that, but there's still, you know, that one. Some of those fires that just don't go out. Kind of to the earlier point with you of who you talk about, you know, when you, who you have out on the road with you. To me, a lot of that stuff all goes away when I'm working with somebody I like too, because mm-hmm. then there is a friendship and and yeah. you know who you can bring on the road with you and who you're doing these shows with just adds such a positive element. Because mm-hmm. even when it goes bad, then you share a bad experience together. And to mm-hmm. this, we were kind of talking about mental health issues earlier. Of that, more and more just comes back to like. What I'm just, the thing that brings me the most happiness and joy in my life is is healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Spending time yeah. with people I genuinely enjoy that make me feel good. You know, there are a couple old friends from the rec center that I'll walk in on Wednesdays for basketball and seeing them is one of the highlights of my week every time. Just yeah. friends I haven't seen in a while. We laugh, connect. They always want to talk comedy. I never want to talk comedy. I yeah. want to talk about them. Yeah. And I play, and, and my wife and my kids working the roads with, my friends like Taylor and Zoltan and you and John, all these things. It's like this actually, this will make me happy. Mm-hmm. Not my career, but the the healthy relationships. This is maybe the only thing. It, it's it's the best thing for me as far as consistent joy. Well, don't you think? I think it's more. That's it. it becomes it doesn't center around the act. But the act just kind of springs from your life. It yes. Springs. This is just the act. Is just this is me reporting what's going on in my life. <laughs> right? It's not. Yeah. What's your phrase? The. Watch strangers live no what, what, yeah. take notes. Watch strangers live your life. Take notes. Tell strangers. There it is. And, Sorry for not knowing that. And and it's I say it so much I don't really think about it. But but that is that is it. When I came to the realization that most of the laughter at my shows comes from relatability, mm. comes from saying things that people can just relate to, and so I I stopped just trying to um, do tricks mm. with comedy. And, and there are tricks. I mean, everybody uses the same gimmicks. Everybody uses callbacks and rules of three and misdirection and hard all that consonants, stuff. all and those hard, things. Yeah. Exactly. And the funnier word. And that is, that's, and street jokes, all yeah. that stuff. Specifics is, over vague, you know, mm-hmm. what was your example you always use on that? It's funnier to be more specific. So you oh, say, Oh yeah. Yeah. The hot dog, <laughs> hot dog, uh, Oscar Meyer. Yeah. You know, what, Oscar Meyer is funnier than hot dog. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you call it? Oscar Meyer? Um, something Frank. What do they call it? Oscar Mayer? Be Frank or something. Be Frank or something like that. That's funnier than hot dog. Right. It's just like, 
because that connects with people more. Mm -hmm. Oh, we had Oscar Mayer, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, anything where, like we said, when we do a corporate gig, if you just mention the CEO's name, they're going to laugh because yep. it's just, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, That's yeah. familiar. It's, it's familiar, so it's good. Those are mechanisms for a comedian. Those yes. are, those are, that's our Batman utility belt. Yeah. It may not be the heart behind what you're doing. Well, but and, and it, people call it hack, and I'm like, well, okay, but it's just, it's just familiar. I mean, that's, I'd call it what it is, it's, um, Hack is kind of like the word love. There's so many different types mm -hmm. of love, and there's different types of hack. Well, yeah, you know, if you do a, a men and women are different, well, they'll say that's hack. Well, okay, but you got a fresh take on a, it. Maybe there's not. There's a yeah. This is my take on it. So that's not hack. Yeah, I, I've always I uh, one of the bits that I open with a lot is um, I, I've been doing it this week, especially when I'm in California. I'll talk about you know how they can't handle rain and our mm -hmm. winters and all that. And I've always had this kind of like you know this is a little hacky. This is a little easy. I don't know if I'm going to do this. Uh, I recently watched a, a clip of Richard Pryor doing talking about how LA people can't handle weather. I was like, all right, well if it's good enough for Pryor, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can look at two ways: either Pryor did or I can't, or oh Pryor did it, so that legitimizes okay I'm on the right track. I'm not here. doing the same joke as him. Yeah. You know, there's only so many premises out mm -hmm. there. You know, yeah. uh, like. Uh, you know, most people we all have a, a, a texting and driving bit or an Uber bit mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah. Uber is the new airplane, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> like so everybody had every comedian has an Uber bit mm -hmm. right now because it's it's just a shared. But that's to your point of yeah. the reason that it connects is because it's all a shared experience. When I went mm -hmm. to Gray, Georgia, and I did an opening 10 plant minutes on airplanes yeah. and I had a guy shout out me, we never been on a plane yeah. Oh, that's why these jokes are missing. Yeah. You've never been on one of the Skybirds. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you do that bit. You should do that bit in your show. About how they don't relate yeah. to it. Yeah. Or just saying, we ain't never been on a plane. Yeah. That's funny right there. Yeah. That's, yeah. It was, uh, oh, and then everything. But when I started doing stuff that they related to, you know, obviously. And I, I mm -hmm. think that there's something to that. But you feel like yeah. that kind of stems from relationships? Oh, yeah. It stems from uh, wanting to, belong people's desire to belong to something mm. i mean when i first saw jeff foxworthy that opened my eyes when he did you know you might be a redneck um that was i i think that might have been the first time that i realized that his audience was like that's my guy mm. that's and it realized okay i want to be that guy i want to be no i don't oh, we're gonna we can bring this other comedian no i don't want the other comedian i want that guy yeah that's my guy mm -hmm. and because he Jeff Foxworth, he's a, you know, he was a great comedian just not before he did the redneck stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But that level of connection was just, you know, that's that's what made him the top seller ever. I had someone tell me once at the uh, Oklahoma City Looney Bin, too, that he was one of the most kindest, mm -hmm. generous, that, you, you know, we bought afterwards he went and bought food and drinks for all the staff and all mm -hmm. the other comedians, that he's the real deal. And I think that that, mm -hmm. to what you're saying, I think that sometimes that, that act can stem out from a healthy lifestyle, you know, not, I mean, it can come oh, from yeah. brokenness too, you know, and, and, and kind of articulating pain, but mm -hmm. it kind of, it stems from all of it, not just the good, not just the bad and the broken, but the good as well. Yes. And it's a sense of priorities. It, a lot of variables are there, how you were raised, kind of a person you are, just the way you look at life, you know, do you have a fixed or a growth mindset? That's, a, I wrote a read a book called mindset and it talks about you either have a fixed or a growth mindset and you can have different like in parts of my life i have a fixed mindset meaning that 
I don't. This is how it is. Yeah, this is how. This is what I have. I have to protect it with all that I have. And as opposed to having a growth mindset, like this is just the process and uh, hey, it may not be working now, but we're working and it just changes the way you think about things. So comics were just, we're already kind of flawed as it, to begin with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think probably we do need to be stroked and we do, we do try to make up for our um, flaws with, okay, well I can do this. Yeah, so I'm going to be there, really yeah. good at this. So you can become really protective of your act, of your reputation, of how funny people think you are. You know all that all that stuff mm-hmm. and um so yeah man you just you got to deal with that is that stuff still there for you I mean, um, you've been in it, what, no, 20? I, you know i just i think there's 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 competition i don't feel like a highly competitive guy when it comes to comedy i do feel competitive but when i see somebody doing well or i see somebody just like really killing it it's just it inspires me like yeah that is i i i want to go write jokes and just like mm. yeah that's fun it's it's good it's fun to be good and yeah um that's healthy yeah it's uh i more times when i see somebody doing good i'm more apt to kick myself like come on man you know we're you know work yeah. at it don't you know keep keep going keep keep working at it and but you know it's then again, I don't look at it as work. I, I don't, I don't just stress on writing. I don't, I know that there's a, a push that I need to be coming up developing material and, but it's like, I've kind of, a, I trust it. Mm. I mean, like last night, we did a show last night, there's four or five tags, four or five ideas. Someone I was talking to the VIP line, that's a, okay, that, that, that would work on stage. It's a, that accumulation that just happens. Mm-hmm. And I think part of being professional is just is being at the point where I'm trusting the process and it's going to happen. It'll be, it'll be fine. And if it doesn't, that's fine, too. Right. I'll do old stuff. So <laughs> what? I like the old stuff, too. And if people have heard it, they pro- they, they're probably, who knows? Just just enjoy it, man. I mean, you've put out eight specials. Mm-hmm. There's some old stuff. There's a lot of old stuff on there that people have not heard. You said some of your yeah. crew. Todd was saying that last yeah. night. Some of your crew had not heard mm-hmm. some of the stuff that you've put Our out before. first project first video project i did a joke from there and, and there's, the, there's probably 15 minutes on there that i have i just dot just that's great doing. man you don't have to write anymore you're done yeah. well that that's <laughs> that, that's it dustin and, but but the writing's gonna happen anyway yeah because i love doing it and we're just that's just if if you're in the moment you're gonna notice things and you're gonna notice little connections and let it and let it grow on its own and um, I'm just very grateful. I think that's more of it. I'm just grateful that I, that I know how to do something that's so great. Mm-hmm. And that I grew up, I respect comedy. I, I, I understand it's, by, by it's, it's impact and it's importance for people. And it's, the more I do this, the more it, the, the focus is off of me and it's on the people that come to the shows. Yeah. You that know, it's a gift. It's that, yeah. and I do. I, I'll, I'll be on stage, and I'm thinking, there's one person here, because it might it might drift to, ooh, there might be somebody that's not enjoying it, yeah. and then it goes quickly to, there's one person here that is being transformed by what's going on tonight for whatever reason, yeah. and I just focus on that person, and it just, you know, that's the way I want to do it. I think that gratefulness is. Mm-hmm. Oh perspective that i'm trying to have more and more of just going i can't mm-hmm. believe i get to do this for a living this is the, a hard thing mm-hmm. but it is in and it's not even a gratefulness that 
oh my gosh, I get to do the best job in the world. It's a gratefulness that I feel like I found the thing that I want to do most and I get to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that idea of when people come up and say, you know, how do you write? I go, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just kind of come up with ideas and then I talk about them and sometimes they go well and then other times they don't go well. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. last night I'm having a hard time falling asleep and so I start writing about how I'm having a hard time falling asleep and why does our brain do this? I hit that bed and it goes, hey, here's all the, your brain goes, here's all the things that you're anxious about. And I'll go, no, don't, don't worry about that. There's nothing I can do. And then my brain goes, okay, well, here's some bad memories. Yeah. <laughs> and I go. And, and we're going to repeat these. We're going to put on, on a loop. <laughs> that song you hate, here's a, here's a loop. Here's a loop of it. Yeah. I think gratefulness is a, is a wonderful, and it's a, it's a nice little note to, to wrap up here. Did we just did an hour, hour six? Hour really? six, man. Man, can you tighten this up? <laughs> Trim the fat, make it a tight 45. I'll, I'll tell you for three hours, but I'll respect yeah. your time. Because, so anyway, you know, to finish our thoughts on homeschooling. Yeah. Cause I'm so happy we um, to talk about something else <laughs> other than homeschooling because, you know, well, I didn't know about homeschooling until I started going to church. And I was like, you mm-hmm. are – I didn't even understand it at first. I mean, what do you mean you don't go to school? This isn't – who mm-hmm. has that joke that goes, uh, we were done with homeschooling when my mom was like, I don't know any more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <know>? done. <laughs> But I, what I, and, and yeah, we can yeah. do it. We can do it. Then we home. get other parents who know more, and we call it a co-op. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? We could save the homeschooling talk for another time. This okay. is great. The relationships and marriage and all that kind of fun stuff. Does that, is that all, fit in with your We're not going to air any mission? of this. Okay. This, we actually haven't been recording any of this. I did that. We did, when we did that show Bananas, we did a show called Bananas, where they had all these comedians come, and they, we filmed at the, the comedy club there in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Funny Bone? I think it was Funny Bone, yeah. And um, I went, I was the I was the first one. And then they said, can you come back and do it again? Because, you know, they, they were figuring out stuff. So yeah. I came back and did it again. And um, so I'm used to being, you know, use me. Yeah, no, I'm not going to use any of this. But I appreciate you doing it anyways. I do. It made the, made the ride go quick. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you have not done so already, please rate and subscribe. Follow us on all the social medias and share with all of your friends. Also, if you want to shoot us a note, uh, you can email us at don'tmakemecomebacktheir at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and you have not done so already, please go back and listen to all the episodes we've done before. Thanks so much, everybody.